Welcome to the Fire the Family podcast. Did you know the average American is behind on their retirement savings? Imagine if your family could learn to budget, save, and invest enough to become financially independent. I'm here to show you through my own experience exactly how you can get on the path to financial independence and reach retirement on or before the age of 65. From age 19 to 28, Kayla and I have been married for nine years, had three boys, and earned four degrees combined with no student loan debt, and have taken our household income from zero to over $130,000 a year. We both want to invite you to firethefamily.com, where we have free tools and resources that you can use to get started on your financial independence journey. Now, let's get into the episode. Hey, welcome to episode 23 of the Fire the Family podcast. I'm Nick. I just want to say thank you so much for giving me your attention again on this episode and supporting what I'm doing, supporting the podcast and listening to my episodes and what I have to say and reading on firethefamily.com if you're a regular reader. If not, go to the website, sign up with your email, and I will let you know when I write a new blog post. Typically, a new one comes out on Saturday, and I'm actually going to be changing it up a little bit. I think I'm going to go to uh, two articles a week. So Saturday or Sunday, a new article is going to come out and then probably again on Wednesday. Still, there's just going to be one podcast episode a week. And that's just because of a bandwidth issue. It takes me a lot longer to make a podcast episode than it does for me to crank out a 1000 to 2000 word article on something that I'm passionate about. So for me, it's a lot easier to just to write more and uh, continue with the weekly podcast. And I talked to Kayla, my wife, the uh, earlier today, and she agreed to come on to one of uh, the shows that are coming up. So I got to get prepared for that and figure out what we're going to talk about. So I'm excited. But today we're going to talk about investing FOMO, the fear of missing out. And this is new because it's something I really want to talk about because of what happened this past week with Tesla doing some crazy stuff, going from sub $300 a share to what over $900 a share in just a few days uh, in February of 2020 crazy stuff. I have a chart on the website. Um, and the reason why this is FOMO for me specifically is because I was really close to buying some Tesla shares about $260 a piece or so. And I just just didn't pull the trigger. Anyways, and that kind of goes against my philosophy. And the reason why I didn't pull the trigger is more than just uh, being afraid of the stock or, you know, just simple reasons. It really goes against the philosophy of what I'm talking about here on the website and on the podcast and um, kind of how I feel about our future goals and, and the path that we're on. So we're going to talk about that today. So FOMO is the fear of missing out. If you don't know what that is, you're probably not on social media or you just haven't looked up their cause for your anxiety uh, when you're on social media. It's a huge thing and it's typically it's always been known as like keeping up with the Joneses and it's been kind of a low key thing historically and that's simply because you were only able to be jealous of what you saw day to day in your life. If you're in your neighborhood driving around on your way to work, you know, you take the same path every single day and you go by the same houses and Joe Blow on the corner decides to buy a brand new fifth wheel and a brand new truck to match and you're like, man, I wish I had that for myself. And the reality is, is statistically, that guy is in debt up to his ears. You know, if you look at the the national average of consumer debt, it's more than likely that he took a large loan out to be able to pay for that 
uh, RV, and then again for the truck. And we, trucks are overpriced in general. You're gonna spend a lot of money on that. That person could easily be a hundred to hundred fifty thousand dollars in debt to have those things parked out front. So that that's a form of FOMO. But what happens when it's like social media? You can just sit there for hours and you have access to the whole world at your, at your fingertips without having to leave your couch. So all of a sudden, your brain is just on overload of like all the imagery that you're seeing. People on the beach, people not working, uh, people with lots of money on a yacht, you know, in the Caribbean, uh, in on some private island doing some crazy stuff. And you're like, man, I'm just sitting on my couch, you know, covered in dog hair and uh, trying to, you know, make a sandwich. I don't, I don't know, right? Like your life is a lot different. That's not your life. And really, in reality, that's not most people's life. That's not the 99% of our lives. And even when you see that person on social media, that's not their life either. That's their highlight reel. And you don't see any of the behind the, scene, behind the scenes stuff. If you followed me on Instagram at the.nick.french, you would see like a crystal clear, like this guy's got a perfect family, a perfect thing going on. You know, he's got cute kids. He's got an attractive wife. He's got a great job. He's got vehicles and a house and all these things. But what you don't see are the screaming kids are the, you know, the snot streaming down their face. You don't see the times where maybe my wife and I aren't getting along or we might be having sort of an argument or a disagreement about something. You don't see the times where I'm just so exhausted from work and all the extras that we're doing that I just want to sleep. You don't see the, all the negatives because why would I take a picture or a video of that stuff and put that on social media? I don't want to show that to people. And so what you get is a highlight reel of my life or anybody's lives for that matter. And, and some people do post all that, you know, crazy stuff on social media. And, you know, I typically unfollow people that do that. And so that's why people don't do it. So this also applies to investing. If you have FOMO when investing, uh, it's a real thing. And I felt it. I felt it a lot in my early to mid, probably my mid 20s, when I started realizing that I could have been saving slow and steady on the fire, you know, path, the financial independence, retire early path. I could have been doing that a lot sooner and I felt like I was way behind. So that's one form of FOMO uh, when it comes to investing. Another form of FOMO is like I talked about with Tesla is sitting there and watching a stock that you may, you know, may have purchased some shares or may not have like you were thinking about it, but you didn't quite pull the trigger. And then you just watch it break out and see it just make insane gains. And then you're like, oh, that could have been me. That was you know, my chance. And that is a form of FOMO as well. And when I say FOMO, really, I'm talking about anxiety, jealousy, depression, all those things. It's all basically the same thing. It's a fear that you missed out on the future or on some some goal or some uh, thing that you idolized for yourself and you've not you now you're not going to get it. It's perceived that you're not going to get it because you missed out on that one uh, that one investment. Uh, FOMO is a product of the social media generation like I talked about. It's a form of anxiety that stems from watching other people's highlight reel played out on their social media accounts. That's kind of the total definition that I've laid out for it. Uh, investing FOMO can be looking at to total stock market gains over the past 10 years or it can be looking at like an in individual stock breaking out. And that's kind of summarizing what I, the story that I just told you guys about. 
FOMO for me has taken the form of anxiety and a feeling that time is running out, that there won't be another opportunity like the Teslas or the Facebooks. And those are two that I remember when Tesla, I remember because it just happened, but I remember Facebook specifically when it was like in the $30 range and I was like, I'm going to buy some Facebook and I never did. And then it ended up doing what it's done. And now it's like hundreds of dollars a share. And a lot of people missed out on Amazon doing the same thing. And Netflix, I remember Netflix was one as well when I was in the service. I remember a kid sitting next to me on our work truck waiting for the next job and he was just trading Netflix. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm buying and selling Netflix. And I think he was buying and selling it for less than $100 a share. And then it just went crazy after that. And that was kind of my first experience with that whole FOMO thing. I just didn't really have an acronym or a way to describe uh, how I was feeling with it. Even long-term investors can be victims of FOMO. And take a look at the 10-year S&P 500 chart, uh, far left of the chart. And on the website, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, I pulled a chart from the last 10 years. Basically, it's the last dip of the recession and the, the recovery that ensued after that, and the largest bull run in the history of the stock market. And there's people that were so afraid of the recession continuing or us not recovering out of the recession that they sat on the sideline and then they missed out on this giant bull run where they could have just been making all that money back and then a lot more on top of it. And so that's a huge form of FOMO. And I think there's a ton of people in society today that uh, have that feeling that they're like, oh, I missed the boat. Now the stock market is at all time highs. And it's like, is it a good time to put my money in? Is it a bad time? Should I put money in at the top of the market? And, you know, and it all comes down to timing the market and you shouldn't do that. So a uh, quick little pro tip, if you're looking at getting into the market right now, just dollar cost average, just put money in each month, set aside some money each month, start putting that into the market regularly. And then that way you just don't have to worry about it. You're just going to invest no matter what the weather is outside, whether it's good, it's bad, ugly or indifferent, you're going to be putting however much money each month into the market. And that will balance it out because the market's going to go up and the market's going to go down that that much we know for sure. But generally the market trends up over time. So you're probably going to be all right. And if you're not, then you, I would say you have bigger problems to, to worry about. You can avoid investing FOMO. The fearing, fear of missing out is a huge issue in society today. It's commonly referred as keeping up with the Joneses, like I mentioned, um, but it doesn't really do any justice to the social media generation. I think FOMO is a perfect acronym for the phenomenon of uh, the anxiety that comes with watching others you know, succeed and you feeling like you're not succeeding. Here are like a rapid fire list of ways that you can reduce investing FOMO in your life. You can practice gratitude for what you have in your life already rather than looking outside to bring something into your life that you don't have. Look internal and see what you do have and be really grateful for, for, the, for what you have in your life already. You can realize social media is a highlight reel. Understand that nobody is perfect. Openly communicate your feelings to a close friend. Realize that most investing influences, or sorry, realize most investing influencers are frauds. Uh, educate yourself on the success rate of day trading. You can run a fire calculator to ensure that your math checks out, a financial independence calculator. Uh, if you're on the path to fire, you can check to make sure that you are still on the path to fire and nothing has changed, and that'll give you some peace of mind, hopefully. You can stop following day traders on YouTube or Instagram. You can start following people with long-term investment philosophies that closely match yours. 
You can reiterate your long-term investing philosophy to yourself or your spouse. You can realize that you don't need big wins to reach financial independence, understand the compound effect, focus on increasing your income, realize that you're ahead of the average person just simply by asking these questions, listening to these episodes, and reading on firethefamily.com, cut yourself some slack, and simply take a breather. Those are all things that you can do to help avoid investing FOMO. You can focus on the long term. If you're working on becoming financially independent, it's likely that you're taking a long-term stance on investing. That's perfect for avoiding investing FOMO because you don't need the Teslas of the world or the Netflixes of the world to get you to financial independence. Yeah, they're fun. It's fun picking individual stocks. I like doing that. I do it a little bit. I have $50 or $100 or a couple hundred dollars where I individually pick some stocks here and there because I enjoy doing that. I've always been fascinated by stocks and the market and charts and financials. And it's just something that I really enjoy, but it's less than 5% of my total like dollars that are invested in the market. And so it's really insignificant amount. And it's just kind of like when I provide myself an allowance out of my budget to spend however I want, it keeps me from going overboard and, and it really helps scratch that itch. I understand that Tesla isn't in the S&P 500 yet, so you may not have exposure to them uh, in a total or in a uh, like an S&P fund uh, index fund that tracks that that index. Um, but you know, if you really want to own Tesla, you can find index funds that I think there are index funds that own them. I haven't done the research for that yet. Or you can buy them individually; it's fine. But it's just not something that I would condone because it's just so risky to buy individual stocks because you can't diversify out of it. If you're already diversified, you've already got a bunch of money in like VTSAX or uh, any sort of total stock market index fund and you're well diversified and you want to put a little money on Tesla, that's fine. But that is essentially speculating and we're going to get into the difference between investing and speculating here in a minute. Uh, you simply need for the future to get to financial independence, you simply need to average around 8% for a decade or two and re to reach financial independence. Really what's gonna speed that time up is how much you're able to invest in the market. If you were able to invest uh, a decent amount for 20 years, you're likely gonna be on the path to financial independence at some point in the future. If you wanna speed it up like we talk about on other episodes, you just put more, you just invest more money or you get a higher rate of return. And those are kind of the two levers that you're able to pull to, uh, to get yourself there quicker. Hindsight's 2020. So in my early 20s, I learned that I had to stop trying to analyze my failed stock trades from a hindsight perspective. It can be beneficial to learn why you made a bad trade, uh, why you purchased a stock and you shouldn't have, or why you got out early and you shouldn't have, or why you stayed in too long and you shouldn't have. But it's always so easy to look backwards and have all the answers and then be really hard on yourself and beat yourself up over it. Uh, reading financials, charts, technical analysis, fundamental analysis, etc., is always done using historical information. That's events that have already happened. While it's a helpful indicator, history isn't always predicted by past results. I messed that up. Future isn't always predicted by past results. Of course, I can see what went wrong by looking back after the fact, but it isn't typically obvious in the moment. In the moment, you have emotions, expectations, bias, and other factors in the mix that have the potential to cloud your judgment. And if you're looking at historical charts and the what could have been, cut yourself some slack because you're going to have anxiety from that. And then you're, 
you're going to be on kind of a bad trajectory emotionally, mentally, and you're going to have just having a bad relationship with your money. And that's when it really becomes akin to gambling. So now it's a good time, good segue to talk about investing and speculating. If you have strong FOMO when it comes to seeking stocks like Tesla or watching them break out over their you know recent resistance and just see them go crazy, then you may be a speculator. I'm not sure. If you're picking individual stocks, uh, you're kind of in that realm of being a, a stock speculator rather than an investor. A lot of day traders, a lot of people on websites like Stock Twits, which is like super toxic when it comes to investing, and they call themselves investors. And it's like you're not an investor if you're buying and selling the same stock the same day over and over and over again. That's not an investment in my in my opinion. That's trading and you're essentially speculating on the market by using charts and technical analysis and even fundamental analysis sometimes in day trading. Um, but typically when you get into fundamental analysis, you're going to have a lot more of a longer time horizon and you're really betting on the future of that company. And uh, you're getting into things like uh, the, the Intelligent Investor with Benjamin Graham. And it's a book that I did a review on, one of my favorite investing books of all time. And here's a quote from Benjamin Graham that says, an investment operation is one which on thorough analysis promises safety of principle and a satisfactory return. Operations not meeting these requirements are speculative. Okay, and so he was like the forefather of value investing. He taught Warren Buffett what everything he knew at Columbia University. And it's really a sweet story. Um, if you want to, it's been like rewritten every every decade, I think, um, for a long time, just updating it for new stats. And it's just a really great book. So I would really recommend picking that one up uh, if you haven't read it yet. Like I mentioned before. If you reserve 5% for speculation, I enjoy stock picking. I've always been fascinated with it, like I talked about. It's a form of entertainment and escapism. It's fun to check on during the day and buy me a little bit of Twitter when I see that it's undervalued. I bought a dozen shares of Twitter back in December, and it was like less than $30 a share. And then I sold it in the first week of February for like almost $34 a share. And then I sat there and watched it break out to $39 a share after they crushed earnings and was like, what the heck, right? And so there's a little FOMO there. Even though I did well, I made, I think, $60, $70 profit. Uh, I watched it go to, you know, 4 or $5 higher than where I sold it, where I would have made an additional, you know, $40, 50 $60. And so we are not oracles. We are not profits. We are not able to see the future and you have to cut yourself some slack because uh, that's just the reality. Uh, I realize that stock picking isn't sustainable, nor is it with, worth risking a large part of my family's future nest egg. I blew up two accounts when I was in my early 20s and that's kind of how I helped find myself towards the fire movement and I kept trying to hit those home runs and just kept you know, cutting myself down to my ankles and, and really hampering, uh, my future gains. And so I dedicated my life to like, I'm not, it's not have not going back there. That's not happening again. I'm not going to do that to my family now that we have kids and, you know, we've got steady incomes and I found a much better, more healthier path to be on financially. So, uh, 
Can FOMO drive stocks higher? This is an interesting one. There's a bunch of articles out recently about, about where we're at in the current market cycle. And a lot of people think that we're at the end of the recent expansion, which typically is like a cycle where uh, you see some rapid growth and then it drops off a cliff and then you go into a recession. Well, nobody actually knows if that's true or not. We are technically kind of overdue for a recession, whether that's today or tomorrow or we're already in one or we don't see one for another two years. It's likely one's going to happen in the near future. Uh, and right now it may be a case of like, uh, what we saw with Bitcoin. Uh, when we saw Bitcoin go up to $20,000, you know, a coin, people were saying it was going to, Bitcoin was going to keep going up until it was the price of a house or, you know, just ridiculous is never going to come back down. And then what happened? It just tore people up, it blew up their accounts and just crashed back to the earth. And that's something that we might experience with this crazy market that we're in. I'm not really into fear mongering. It doesn't really change my philosophy much. I think I'll probably increase my contributions if I see the market go down by 10, 15%. I'll probably start investing a little bit more, realizing that we're entering probably an 18, 24 month uh, recession. And then I'll continue to do that through that recession. And then hopefully we'll come out and we'll see each other on the other side. Uh, but that's kind of the philosophy in a nutshell of kind of where I'm coming from. But we may be seeing this because people are like, ah, it's the market's so good. It's never going to come back down. It's time to invest. And it's time to put a bunch of money in the market. And then you just see it go crazy. And stocks go up when there's more people willing to buy the shares of companies than there are people willing to sell it. So the price then increases. And it's the whole ask bid scenario. And so you have a whole bunch of people that are buying stocks and not very many people selling those stocks and it drives the total market up. Just to summarize, uh, the fear of missing out can invade your life and affect your well-being. Investing FOMO is a major cause of anxiety when getting started on the path to financial independence. Your path is slower and less sexy than your peers or internet gurus who seem to only tell you about their big wins. But you must realize that social media, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter is only a highlight reel. It's not reality. The truth is, you don't need the big wins in order to reach financial independence. You simply need the average total stock market return over the course of 20 or 30 years. So get into you know something like a VTSAX, a total stock market index fund, something that's diversified, that's got a low expense ratio, that has a long history of returns, you know, maybe diversify into some REITs, uh, some real estate investment trusts, which is coming up in a future episode uh, that I'm really excited about, um, about REITs and uh, the potential that they have to just kind of help diversify my, uh, my investment portfolio for my family. And if you want to speed up your path to financial independence, just invest more or figure out how to get a higher rate of return without going into like individual stock picking. You just don't want to do that. It's just not nearly as, uh, I, I want to say the word sustainable is probably the best word to use here to define that. Uh, it's just not practical. It's really difficult for people that don't have tens of thousands of dollars to invest, to diversify enough to get, to reduce that risk. The big thing is, is when you're individual stock picking, you have the risk of that company not doing so well. You have the risk of the total market not doing so well, because if the market crashes, Tesla's going to crash as well. Uh, if you are buying individual stocks, there's so many variables at play. 
But if you're investing in a total index fund or really any index fund that has a number of share, number of companies that it holds in its portfolio, the only risk is market risk. And so you're reducing all those variables. It doesn't, you don't care if one company in that portfolio from the index fund crashes, tanks, goes out of business, goes bankrupt. You don't care because you have hundreds of other companies uh, that are keeping that, that price, that share price afloat. The only risk you have is market risk. And I love, the, I love investing and putting my money in a place that you can relatively assume that it's pretty safe uh, while understanding that the market goes up and the market goes down, but it trends up over time. So that's kind of the end of the rant here. I hope this was helpful. I know that FOMO is a real thing and you may need like a psychologist to really help with that. You may need to just get out of the market if you can't handle it. Uh, you may need to add some bonds to your portfolio if you have an issue with the volatility of the stocks going up and down because bonds have that smoothing effect that will really help you ride that out. But in the end, they're really going to drag down your returns um, on your, on your portfolio. So I hope this was helpful to you. Uh, let me know, uh, rate this on, uh, any platform that you happen to be listening to it on, uh, come to the website, firethefamily.com. I'd love to hear from you. If you want to leave a comment on the post that we're talking about investing FOMO, um, and uh, hopefully you stick around and, uh, sign up with your email and I will notify you when I have a new episode or a new post out and uh, we'll keep this thing moving. Things are going and growing really well. I'm really excited about the future of Fire the Family, and I've never been more motivated to provide value to strangers than ever in my life before, and that's compared to when I had a YouTube channel and was uh, like had 3 million plus views and like 8,000 subscribers, which is not huge by any means, but it took me a little while to get there and a lot of work. And so uh, I'm really excited about where this is going and the future of firethefamily.com. Thank you again so much. I hope you have a wonderful work week this coming week. And we will meet again next weekend when I make another uh, episode. It'll be episode number 24. And it's so it, really exciting is that knowing that like this time next year we'll be at like what, 70-something podcast episodes, which is pretty sweet. So thanks again, and uh, we'll catch you guys next week.